0: we're continuing on the attributes of God tonight and um this one we have covered it different times to different sermons but we've not recovered it in a official attribute sermon so um we're going to talk about aseity tonight um you've probably heard us reference this um some of you may be really familiar with it um it's we've talked about it a lot um over the last year year and a half so But I want to pull it all together because that's a word that we really don't hear a lot of. Um, And that's a shame. It's very important. And I will tell you this, of all the attributes, I know that we had covered incomprehensibility and some are just more just unbelievable than others. I think this one is... I mean, the holiness of God and the sovereignty of God and the the triune nature of God, all those things are unbelievably hard. But this one goes against our human finite minds so much, I can't even put it into words. Because we as human beings, we cannot comprehend not having a beginning and not having an end. Our minds are, well, here's where things start, here's where they end. And tonight we're going to go into a, a, an attribute that only God has, obviously, but is so mind blowing when you stop to think about it. Uh, we've talked about this. This is one that is overwhelming. And we'll do our best by the help of God and the Holy Spirit here to, to work through this. Um, so before we get started and describe what a CIT means and the implications with that, um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You um, that You have life in Yourself, that You are life. You're the creator of all things, and God, You are amazing. You are incomprehensible to our human minds. Lord, we know that the finite cannot fully grasp the infinite. But tonight, Lord, we ask that by the help of the Holy Spirit, that you would just help us, Lord, to understand it more, to be drawn to you more and to see your glory more and to see who you are more. And Lord, we cannot do that on our own. We need you. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to begin to comprehend what our finite minds are capable to comprehend of your eternal majesty and your eternal being. So God help us tonight, we pray. Amen. So, I don't know if anybody's not heard the word aseity, but what aseity means, it comes from the Latin word assay, which means from himself or of himself. And this speaks to God's independence, his self-sufficiency, that God has life in himself. He has no other source than himself. He exists of and from himself. He exists by his own power. He does not have existence, rather, He is existence. There's, you could spend your whole rest of your life trying to unpack those sentences. That God doesn't have existence because He is existence. He is the only being. He's the only I am. He's the only one that has life in Himself that has not been created and is self-sufficient and self-sustaining. He exists by his own power. He is not created, but rather the creator of all things. Since he's the creator of all things, he's before all things, making him eternal with no beginning or no end. That's a lot. But I want you to stop and think about this, because this is where, this is where it starts to become mind-blowing. There never was a time where God was not. There never was a time where God was not. Our mind is always, well, where did God begin? Where did this whole thing start? You could take your mind back as far as your finite mind could comprehend, and you'd never find the start of God because God had no official start. He's always been. Isn't that overwhelming? That there never was a time where God was not God, that He was not this eternal being. That's mind-blowing. And He has no end. This is infinite language. This is eternal language of this God that we serve. And I think a few of the verses that really speak on his aseity or having life in himself, we find in John. And as Lynn was speaking earlier, yeah, a lot of John here. (laughs) And Sunday, when we talk about the first verse about in the beginning was the word, that right there speaks to God's aseity. Because we're going to talk about on Sunday, what does that term in the beginning mean? It does not mean the beginning of all eternity because God has no beginning. So what is this beginning? It's the beginning of creation. And if God is in the beginning before the beginning of creation, mean that he had to be existent to create those things. And if he's before the beginning of creation, then he's uncreated and he has life in himself. That's overwhelming. That's overwhelming. I think John chapter 5 verse 26 says it beautifully. It says, For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And in John 1 4 it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Everything else that has life is dependent on God. Who is God dependent on to have life? No one. He is the life in himself. He is the ultimate being. And we see the aseity of God in the first verse of the Bible. We just mentioned it. I don't want to spend all the time on it because i got to have something to talk about on Sunday. But in the beginning, God. That's how our Bible starts, isn't it? So before there was anything, before there was a world... Before there was earth, before there was stars, before there were anything in existence, God was. That's how he can create all things. If God was created, he's not God. And if something is created, something has to be outside of that creation and before that creation to create it. So there was a time when there was nothing except for God. But there never was a time where God was not. And in the beginning speaks to creation. It speaks to the creation of this earth and the stars. And you read that in Genesis 1. But it says in the beginning, God created. No one created God, but God has always been. That's how he can be there in the beginning. Before anything was, because he has life in himself, he's the uncreated creator. Before anything was created that we see before the earth, before everything we mentioned, God existed, God is. And then in John chapter 1, we'll read on Sunday, in the beginning, which, does that sound familiar? In the beginning. We compare that to Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. That's going to refer to Christ. He was there before creation. And again, if He's before creation of all things... He's the creator of all things. And if no one created him, then he has life in himself. If he has life in himself, he's eternal. If he's not bound by time and space, and he's out of that, then he's eternal, he's infinite. Isn't that amazing? This is an amazing God, a holy God. Overwhelming, this blows my mind to think there never was a time where God was not. God is not created, but rather the creator of all things. He is true being. By which all creatures live, move, and exist. You see, we talked about this last week of is there a rock, can God create a rock so big that he can't move it? And we said that's a that's a false dilemma because there are things that God cannot do. God cannot lie, God cannot die, God cannot sin. God cannot create another God. How can that be? Because if God created another God, It wouldn't be God because it was created. And then it would be a creature instead of a God. There's only one God. And to not be a creature, that means you have to have life in yourself. And this is our God. This is the eternal God of everything. Nothing can be self-created. Think about that. How ridiculous is the idea of self-creation? God didn't create himself. Nothing creates itself. So how is God existent? How is God a being? Because he has life in himself. He's ultimate being. He has no beginning and no end. That statement alone, I can't even fathom that to my finite mind. He has no beginning. And if you remember from one of our types and shadows, we spoke about Melchizedek, this mysterious uh, individual that comes in Genesis 14. And he's significant because he was a priest and he was a king and he was from Salem and he brought gifts that uh, of bread and wine and, and we, we saw the types and shadows of that. But what made him unique is that in the book of Hebrews, uh, Jesus comes in the same order of Melchizedek. And this is important because if you remember in the Old Testament, that the priests came out of the Levites. And if you were in the, the line of Levite and that family and that tribe, then you were qualified into the priesthood. But if you were not, you couldn't be a priest. And the kings came out of the tribe of Judah. And you couldn't be either. You couldn't mix. You couldn't be a priest and a king. You couldn't do that. But Jesus did. Because Melchizedek was a priest and a king. He was from Salem, which... Is Jerusalem, and he's out of that order because Christ is king and he's priest. Not of the, the line and the, and, and the makeup of the Old Testament priest, but of the order of Melchizedek. And what's interesting of that is in Hebrews chapter 7, it gives us this peculiar verse about Melchizedek, and this verse is speaking to the aseity of God. It says this, in verse 1 of Hebrews 7, going down to verse 3, it says, Christ was in the order of Melchizedek, who is, re- oh, I'm sorry, who is re- referenced to have no genealogy, no father, no mother, no beginning of days or end of life. I paraphrased it. I didn't read the whole thing out there. But Melchizedek is not, he doesn't have a genealogy. He's a person, but you can't find his genealogy. And that's important because genealogy was huge in these days. If you look at the Old Testament, so-and-so begat this, so-and-so begat this, the father of this, the father, it was genealogy, and it was mainly males. And here comes Melchizedek, who's going to be a type and shadow of Christ who is to come. And there's no genealogy of him. They can't find who his mother was. They can't find who his father was. And he has no death date. And this is a reference. He died. He's a human being. But it's in a sense that he had no beginning because there's no record and he had no end. And he had no father and he had no mother. And this represents the aseity of God who has no beginning, who has no end, and is eternal. That's quite the reference there. If you want to read Hebrews 7, you can see that a little bit more. And then you've heard this term before. If Coop was out here, I would have him say it because this is one of his favorite terms. Ex nihilo nihil fit. That's fun to say, and I would recommend you memorizing that, because we live in a world that does not believe in creation. We live in a world that believes in the Big Bang and evolution and all this this stuff that is anti-biblical. But this term simply means out of nothing, nothing comes. We've talked about this before. One of the clearest signs and evidences that God is eternal is to look around. We're outside tonight. So if you listen to this on the podcast and you hear some birds chirping, that's the reason. But you look around and you see a tree and you see grass and you hear the birds and you see no clouds because it's a cloudless day, but you see the sun. So your eyes see something that has been created. And then I see you guys and you see me. So what does that tell us? that there never could have been a time where there was nothing. Because if there ever was one second in all of history where there was nothing, there would still be nothing today. Because out of nothing, nothing comes. That's just the reality. If you set, we can't set nothing there because it's nothing, but nothing produces nothing. But our scientific scholars of the day tell us out of nothing comes Everything. And this is why this phrase is so important. Out of nothing, nothing comes. So what does that mean? In the beginning, before anything was created, God was present. Because He's outside of the created order. Because He's the creator of all things. And for Him to be before the quote-unquote beginning means that he has life in himself. So out of nothing came everything when it refers to Christ. He spoke out of the void and the darkness and created everything, but there never was a time where he was not here. Out of nothing comes nothing, but God is eternal. There never a time where God was not. And that's why when you look around and you see the creation... That's because it was by the uncreated creator who has life in himself. And that's our greatest proof that there never was a time where God was not. And A.W. Pink here, I'm just going to read this quote talking about his creation. Because we look around and we see his creation. But God didn't desperately need anything. He didn't need anything at all. So, the fact that He creates anything is by His sovereign will. The very fact that God, by definition, means He doesn't need anything. He has life in Himself. He has everything. So, listen to what A.W. Pink says. God was under no constraint, no obligation, no necessity to create. That He chose to do so was a purely sovereign act on His part, caused by nothing outside of Himself, determined by nothing but his own mere good pleasure for he worketh all things after the counsel of his will ephesians 1:11 that he did create was simply for his manifestive glory it wasn't like he was lacking and said i'll create an earth so i can be satisfied and be content and fill the hole that's in me god needed nothing and the fact that He created the earth and the world, humans, it was determined by Himself for His own pleasure, for His own will. And everything we know is for what? The glory of God. That's what everything is made for, the glory of God. You remember that verse in Romans chapter 11, verse 36. From Him, through Him and to Him are all things, to Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. God does not need anything from us or from anything. He didn't create the world or the universe because He was lacking and needed something. He is self-sufficient and lacks nothing. And we find that in the book of Acts. In Acts 17, this is a familiar passage because this is where Paul is standing on Mars Hill in Athens. And we find this in verse 25 but we'll go up into verse 22 to get the context it says so Paul stood in the midst of the Aragopagus and said men of Athens I observe that you are very religious in all respects for while I was passing through and and examining the objects of your worship I also found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God therefore what you worship in ignorance this I proclaim to you The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and the earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Listen to verse 25. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needeth anything. Remind yourself of that and let me remind myself of that. God does not need anything. God does not need us. His existence, his being is not dependent on us. However, the opposite is true in regards to us, that we are dependent on him. And as he's going to go on and tell us here in just the next verse or two, he's going to tell us that in him, in Christ, we live and move and exist. We have our being and our existence in the only God who the only God, the one true and living God who has life in himself. He is true being. "...since He gives to all people life and breath and all things. And He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their inhabitations. They would seek God if perhaps they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us." Verse 28, "...for in Him we live and move and exist, As as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are His children." What a verse. In Him, we live because He's life. We move. In some translations, we'll say we have our being. We exist. Because He's the source of life. He has life in Himself. He's created all things because He was before all things, because He has no beginning. He's eternal. He's infinite. And He gives life and breath and the ability to move and exist to all. Creatures. Does that sound like a God who needs us for anything? Does that sound like a God who's begging you and pleading you, and and He's really desperately trying His best to save you. And this God who has no beginning or end and needs nothing from no one is begging you with all of His heart to come to Him. And He's heartbroken because you've overrode His power. This is not the God of the Bible. This is a God who needs nothing from anyone. And then we look at some verses about Him being before the creation. Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God. And let us look at those verses different. That is not in the beginning of all time because there never was a beginning of God's existence. In the beginning is talking about the creation that you find in Genesis 1, not the beginning of God's existence because that is not a thing. Psalm 90. I love Psalm 90 because a lot of times we think that psalms are mainly David, and they are, but there's other people who wrote psalms that are songs and and poetry and prayers, and Psalm 90 is the oldest psalm in the Bible, and Psalm 90 is a song of Moses. Think about how long ago that was before David, and here's what it says. The oldest psalm in the Bible, Psalm 90, in the first two verses said this, Lord, You have been our dwelling place in all generations, and here we go, before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. What a a verse. Before you birthed the earth, before you spoke the earth into existence, before you created a mountain, before you did anything, you are God from everlasting to everlasting. Psalm 93, verse 2 says, Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. And then John 1, 1 through 3, which we'll try to cover on Sunday. In the beginning was the Word. Again, that's before creation. The, in the beginning is the creation, the earth, the stars, the animals. In the beginning, that's the beginning in reference here. And before that was God. In the beginning was the Word, which means he wasn't created because he was present there before anything was. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. He's a creator of all things. How can he be the creator of all things? Because he has a deity, life in himself, no beginning, no end. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 6 says yet for us there is but one god the father from whom are all things and we exist for him if that verse doesn't rattle your soul we exist for him not the other way around he doesn't exist for us he's not our genie in a bottle He's not our free ticket out of hell. That's the only reason that He's uh, 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 here, some people think. or he's the, That's the only message that we like to preach. He's not here to just give us everything we want. He owes us nothing. He owes us nothing temporally. He owes us no salvation. He owes us no grace. He owes us no mercy. He owes us absolutely nothing. God does not exist for us. But we exist for him. Remember, he didn't have to create anything. He didn't have to create anyone. But the reason that he did was his own will to glorify himself. That is the glory of God in all things. Stop and just think about that for a second. It's only one or two ways you look at that verse in life. Either right now our main focus is we exist for God or God exists for us. And how you How you answer that is everything. Because when you can truly get to the Bible and say, God, I exist for you. It is for your glory that I'm here. It is for your glory that everything in my life takes place. It is for you and you alone. That doesn't come from an unregenerate heart, and that does not come from someone who's not growing in sanctification. John 17, 5 says, Now, Father, glorify me with yourself. This is the the God uh, uh, in the form of the Son. This is the second part of the Trinity. This is Jesus praying to the Father. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Again, this speaks to his aseity. He's uncreated, he has life in himself. Before the world was, the Son and the Father and the Holy Spirit were in perfect harmony from eternity past. Colossians 1, 15-17 says, He is the image of the invisible God. Do you want to see the Father? Look to the Son. He's the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and, again, for him. He is before all things. How can he be before all things? How can he create all things? He has a seity. He's life in himself. He's the uncreated creator. There never was a time where God was not. And in him all things hold together. Hebrews 1, 1 through 1-2 says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, he has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Again, there was a time where there was no world. And God, through the Son, created the world. He had to be before the world. He's not in our temporal time. He's not bound by space and time. He's outside of that, making him eternal and infinite. And in Revelation 4, 11, it says, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. Everything that you see, yes, including the snake, including the spider, including whatever animal you don't like, couple weeks ago it was the honeybee and you say what in the world is that here on this planet for we don't have to get very deep we don't have to wait for a long drawn out answer the answer is they're here by the will of god all things created for him all things for his glory to god be the glory And that's the cry in heaven in Revelation 4. Worthy are you to receive glory and honor. Why? And it mentions here because you created all things. And it's your will that they exist existing, were created. That's what they're bringing praise to him for. Because he's the creator of all things. Because he's before all things. Because he has no beginning. Because he doesn't require someone else to give him life. He has life and existence and being in himself. To be the creator of all things means that God is before all things and therefore uncreated. He is before the beginning, as we see in the Bible, of the creation of the world and all that's therein, which makes Him outside of time. And to be outside of time is to be eternal. He is the uncreated creator, which we've mentioned, which makes Him infinite and eternal, having life in Himself, and He's the true being. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot for our minds to grasp that this is the God that we serve. This is the God who didn't need anything from anyone, but then to His people would choose to save you and choose to come into His creation and then choose to take on the form of a man and then choose to be beaten and to be ridiculed and spit on and hit, take the pain of the cross, have the Father turn his back upon him. You see, when you see that he has life in himself and that he has never not been, and you see this mind-blowing aspect of God, and you see that he's outside of time and space, and, and in our infinite, our finite minds cannot grasp this, but he's before all things, And who needs nothing of no one. And now once you see him high and lifted up and how amazing he is, doesn't it make it even more mind-blowing that he would come and enter his creation to redeem and save his people? That's mind-blowing to me. That this God who has life in himself come to give life to his people. What does John 14, 6 say? I am the way, the truth and the life. Life everlasting is in the only source of life, the one who has life in himself, God and God alone. Can you imagine this? Put this in our minds. There never was a time where God was not. And out of his own will and by his own decree, he speaks everything into existence. And then, to redeem fallen creature who could not redeem himself he set his affection and his love on a sheep from the eternity past before the world was and by his own free will not bound by anything not held by our choice or not bound by our good deeds but by his own free will and his own sovereign act He set His love upon a certain group for no reason except for His own pleasure and will. And then this God who transcends time, who's before all things, wraps Himself in flesh and enters His creation, enters time and space, enters temporal time. We can mark it on a calendar. We have historical documents that He entered into this creation and we know what He went through. He did it on his own will, and he did it to purchase his church. See, when you know that God has life in himself, and he's uncreated, and there never was a time where God was not, that this God that we're speaking about would come and set his love upon you, if you believe, and save you, and rescue you, and redeem you, and seal you, and allow you to dwell with him forever. It's mind-blowing when you start to see who God truly is. The supreme being is the only one that has true being. Now this is, here we go. He is the only true being. And in a sense, we're all becoming, if you will, because you change. Correct? Have you changed your mind? Are you growing in sanctification? Now, we're human beings, but we're not being in the sense that God is because God is being. God is unchanging. He is who He is. He's the only source of being, and that's why all of His creation has their being in Him. If God ever stopped, if there ever was a time where God was capable of dying, then we would no longer have existence because He's the only being. He's the only source of life. He's the only true I am. Think about that statement now. When he's in Exodus and he's at the burning bush and he speaks out to Moses and he says, Here's who you tell them that I am I am. I am. I am my being. I am unchanging. I am Yahweh. I am eternal. I am infinite. I'm not going to change. I'm the same yesterday, today, forever. I'm never going to change. My being is fixed. I'm the only one who has true being. And that's why that verse in Exodus 3, verse 14, is so profound. Who sent you? You tell him this. I am. Not I was not I may be in the future, I am. I am the only true being. And as a result of that, that's why we referenced early in Acts 17 that all of his creation, including yourself, you have life and you have breath and you have existence and you have being, not because of yourself, but in the source of life and the only true being, which is God. He is dependent of no one for his existence and creatures are dependent on him for creation to live and move and to have the being. We read both of those verses there, Acts 17, 28 and 1 Corinthians 8:6. With a being, there is no becoming. He is. This speaks to his immutability, doesn't it? How can he be? Because he's immutable. He's unchanging. God is who He is and always has been. He is, I am. He is and we are becoming. He is permanent and unchanging and we are not. This is true supreme being. This is overwhelming to my mind. That this is God. I want you to think about these things. Can you stop and think and really comprehend that there never was a time where God was not? Our finite minds are bound by time. He never did not exist. And no one created Him. He's always been because He has life in Himself. He's of Himself because He has a deity. He's before all things. That's how He can create all things. He's the only true being there is. And if this blows your mind, good. It's supposed to. If you stop and say, I have no idea what we're talking about tonight, good. Because <laughs> this is the glory of our God. And if, when you hear this, you start to become more in awe of God than good. Because the God who rescued you is mind-blowing. The God who rescued you is magnificent, is transcendent. What He did for fallen creatures is more amazing when you learn who He is, including that He has life in Himself. Now at the bottom we have these famous questions. I've been asked these questions. I've been asked these questions by our kids. Uh, in a while but I'd be ready for an answer if they did maybe you've heard this question who made God two word answer he is how amazing is that who made God He is. He's the ultimate being. Life in Himself. Never was there a time where God was not. I am. That's what He tells Moses. I am. I'm the source of all things. I'm unchanging. I am. And what's more amazing is when we talk about the Trinity that word i am if you remember from a few midweek services ago we went through the ego i the i ams that is where christ in the new testament uses that same wording ego i me or i am to describe himself john 8 verse 58 one of taylor's favorite verses says before abraham was ego i me i am here's jesus in the incarnation on planet earth in the New Testament time in 1st century A.D., and he looks at them and says, Oh, you want to know about me? Before Abraham was, I am. Speaking of himself, speaking of his deity. I am. There never was a time where there was not the Father. That means he's an eternal Father. There never was a time where there was not the Son. He's the eternal Son. And there never was a time where the Holy Spirit was not. And we see that in creation. God created the heavens and the earth. And then the New Testament tells us that the agent that he used was Christ. It was through Christ that all things were made. And who was there hovering over the waters? The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It's the triune nature of God at creation. And the only way they can be there before things were created is to be there before those things. And to be there before there was anything created means that he has life in himself. Who made God? He is. And then if they trip you up with this one and they say, well, okay. But where did God come from? You just hit him with it again. He is. You speak to the being of God. And the being of God is eternal and infinite. This is mind-blowing to me. And sometimes I struggle to even (laughs) comprehend this and present it because it's too much for my mind. But that's what God is supposed to do to us. We're not supposed to sit and be like, oh, that's neat. (laughs) That's cool. It's supposed to bring us to a reverence and an awe of the God who is the true being Who created God? He is. And where did He come from? He is. And there never was a time where He was not. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. This is hard to put into words sometimes, Father. We... Your being and who you are is more than our minds can comprehend. And for that we take comfort and for that we have joy and for that we worship you because, Lord, you are God and you are holy and you are above all things. Lord, the gulf between you and us is so unimaginable. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for your holiness and we thank you for your aseity. We thank you that you have life in yourself because, Lord, in that we can trust you and in that we can worship you and in that we know that you are the only source of life. And, Lord, we thank you that in the middle of this world that refuses, Lord, to acknowledge your creation, Lord, let us be in awe of your creation. And let us know that before anything was, God, you were. We thank you. We love you. And Lord, let us honor you as God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.